0: Good morning. I know all of us are uh, overjoyed by the fact that it finally seems like spring outside. Uh, yesterday I was out driving around and, uh, and on the radio it said, one of the greatest things about spring in Victoria is the knowledge that the rest of the nation is frozen solid. <laughs> and I thought this was dark but possibly true. When, when you talk to people from out east, if you have family or friends from out east, trying to explain to them the truth that it is better to live in Victoria than anywhere else, usually uh, is met with anger and frustration. So how do we share truths with others? More importantly than this truth of Victoria being better, how do we share the good news of Jesus? How do we share that truth? Pray with me this morning. Father in heaven, thank you for the spring and the reminder of new life that it brings. Thank you for your son, Jesus Thank you that He is the way, the truth, and the life. Help us understand a small portion this morning of what it looks like to share that truth with others through the story of Jonah. Amen. I uh, I was working uh, late last night. Um, I I'm not a procrastinator, but I do better under pressure. Uh, so I was it was late. I was about I was finishing kind of preparing my sermon around eleven o'clock, and I I left. I was at the office and I left. Uh, I went up to the Esso station, the 7-Eleven there. Uh, my, my throat's been bugging me, so I went to get some lozenges. And I wasn't planning. This was, is this was a completely off-the-cuff story for me. So uh, I uh, I walked in, and I've been thinking about my servant, obviously, and there was a, a gentleman in front of me. He he walked in. He had a cane. Uh, he looked, looked as if he was not doing well. And I saw him look for something. He went over and grabbed it off the shelf. I couldn't tell what it was. And I thought instantly about offering to buy it for this guy. You know, here I am. Thinking about sharing my faith, you know, maybe this is a small gesture I could do. I was too chicken to do it. I didn't say anything. And, uh, uh, you know, the guy gets up to pay, and he says, you know, I realize I don't have enough money. Uh, He says to the guy, I'm going to go put it back. So I say, perfect. I'll pay for it. Can I pay for that? And uh, uh, the guy, you know, he says, thank you. And here I'm thinking, this is my time. I'm going to share my faith. So what do I mumble? I get a half audible, God, God bless you. You know that that is truthfully that is truthfully what came out of my mouth, and so I, I said it. I had to say it again, and so I've been thinking about this encounter that I had with this guy because here I am going to speak to you this morning about sharing your faith, and that was all I got last night. Was this half audible? Had to say it again, um, but I, I'm hoping there's some truth uh, that we can uncover in the story of Jonah this morning that uh, will shed some light on maybe why this isn't the worst thing uh, that I did last night. So we're going to look at Jonah. Uh, It's a small, uh, satirically written book, probably written around the late 5th century BC, and contains some very important truths about God and how we can share these important truths about God to others. I'm not sure about you, but if you've read the book before, you may relate to Jonah. I certainly feel like I can relate to Jonah. So I want to look at his life and specifically how God messes with his life and his plans in order to spread the good news. Now, God seems to enjoy disturbing our safe lives. He enjoys bringing uncomfortableness in. He enjoys changing our plans and setting us on a new course. And really, would you expect anything different from God? Almost every story we see, and we looked at one in in class this morning with Philip and Acts. But Abraham, Moses, Joseph, Mary, Peter, Paul, all of their lives were turned upside down by God. He sent them a different way. God will introduce himself to people. He'll come into their lives. They may freak out, they may not, but then he will tell them to calm down and clear your calendar. Plans are going to change. Things are going to be different. And then he sends them somewhere that you would never have gone before. And I think if we listen to God's voice, this is going to happen in our lives in some way or another. It could be a big event. It could be a move to another town. It could be a move to another country. It could be changing your career. It could be something as simple as talking to someone in a coffee shop. Travis talk, talked about that a couple of weeks ago. It could be maybe buying a chocolate bar for someone. But if we get too comfortable, we can become complacent, and God tends to want to shake things up in our lives. When you listen to what he says, and when you hear people who say and answer, here I am, Lord, send me, and we all know people who have done that, we find that when we listen to their stories, we find that their lives got a major upgrade. I don't know if I've ever heard anybody say, I really wish I did not listen to God's calling in my life. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say of that. Life is a lot more interesting when you are involved in what God is doing. And Jonah is one of those people. It, he is the person in that type of story. He is a God worshiper. He loves God, he loves God's people, he loves hanging out with God's people, and he loves talking about God. Then one day, probably like any other day, God said to him, Jonah, my plans for you have changed. I'm sending you to some people who do not know me, and I want you to tell them about me. And Jonah said, you bet, no, we all know he didn't, no, not a chance. I am not going to talk to somebody about you when they don't know you. I would rather hang out in the belly of a whale than do that. Have you felt that way before? I know I certainly have. I found myself in that place with Jonah. We've got Jesus in our life. Things are good. He's great. He's given me peace. He's give, forgiven me my sins. He's shown me love. He begins to transform me. I'm experiencing joy. Uh, I've got a new family. And then I've had this word from God go. This isn't just for you. I want you to share me with others. You've been made a disciple, now go and make disciples. So what is our response supposed to be? Is it like Jonah's? Am I supposed to make disciples? Nah, I would rather not. My friends, they like me. They like me, I like them. I don't want to rock the boat. I like my life, I don't want to disrupt it. Now I think many Christians may feel this way, and many don't want to evangelize anyone, and for good reason. I, uh, I had a list, I had to shorten it, uh, for time's sake, um, but uh, I had three major reasons why uh, why I may not want to evangelize someone. We don't want to pressure people. We don't want to come to a door as if we're peddling spiritual snake oil, uh, and we have to close the deal. Um, how many have bought cars from a dealership? Yeah? How many have had spiritual snake oil salesmen? Yeah, one? Okay. So I did as well, and I... It was, a, it was a traumatizing experience, absolutely traumatizing. I almost bought the car sheerly out of guilt. Uh, I, I followed all of the wrong, uh, wrong ways of buying a car. If you Google how to buy a car from a dealer, they'll give you a list of good things and a list of bad things. I did all of the bad things and almost bought a car for significantly more money than we had. Uh, so, I mean, we don't want to pressure people. We don't want to feel that we're pressuring people and they don't want, we don't want to feel that they feel that we're pressuring them. The second thing is we don't want to be preachy. We talked about this, in, this uh, in class this morning. It came up. Like we are some self-righteous guru. Let me tell you how to live. I have the answers for you. And three, we may be worried, and this came up in class as well. I actually thought after class I may not even need to preach this morning. But, uh, you know, we may be worried that we will not know how to share our faith. We're probably going to mess up the presentation. Because in here, it's pretty easy for us to say, Jesus died for your sins. And he rose from the dead so that you could have a new life. Outside of those walls, especially in our society in the West, our individualistic, naturalistic, atheistic society, people do not have room in their lives for this anymore. So maybe these are your concerns, and we're going to answer some of these at the end here. So how do we navigate this? How do we navigate your fears of sharing your faith with others? And this directive from Jesus found in Mark to go and tell Now, it's not a surprise that a lot of Jesus' followers are saying, forget it, I'm not doing it. And Jonah had his reasons as well. He did not want to go talk to these people. God told him to go to the Assyrians. Now, the Assyrians were the Nazis of the 7th century BC. They had a powerful empire. Their armies would crush anything in sight. Ethnic cleansing, deportation of peoples from their homeland, public executions, forced labor and slavery were all standard Syrian policies. It was not a pleasant place to be. They were hated everywhere in the world. And Jonah didn't feel they were deserving of God's mercy. In his mind, they had no business hearing about God. Now, this is where I found I heavily related to Jonah. Ever since I was little, uh, and I think I've unfortunately given this to my son as well, but I have a very high sense of what I view is correct justice. Uh, Stacy would tell you that uh, in certain movies I may let out an audible whoop or a fist pump when the hero vanquishes the villain. And I, I enjoy that feeling of justice being served on earth. And I enjoy that idea of, uh, of evil being crushed. And now, I know that that may not sound very Christian, but it's something that I wrestle with God with. So when we look at the story, this is kind of what's going on in Jonah's mind. So Jonah calls, or God calls Jonah, tells him to go to the Ninevites. He says no and runs the opposite direction. He boards a ship, which happens also to be going the other direction, with a bunch of sailors he's never met. But while he's on the ship, a vicious storm whips up. Now the way this book is written, we're going to start sensing a smile starting to creep across God's face. Because even as Jonah tried to avoid God, God is going to use him as his messenger. God is going to introduce himself through Jonah to these sailors, people that did not know him. And Jonah didn't even realize this was going on. And in the end, it is going to be God that evangelizes Jonah himself. God is pursuing Jonah and changes his heart. And that is going to make Jonah look very differently as what it means to be God's messenger. So Jonah's on the boat with a crew of sailors and their captain. Their boat is being driven along by the wind. The rain is sideways. The waves are crashing over the side of the boat. So what do they do? They do everything they can to protect the boat. They start throwing everything off the ship. They're trying to lower the weight of the ship so it can rise above the the water, to sit higher in the water in hopes that it won't drown. It's not working. The The ship is going to sink, and they know it. So what do they do? What everyone else would do, they would draw straws to see who is to blame. In chapter 7, it says, The sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for the calamity. So it's self-evident this is what you do. When you're caught in a bad storm, especially one of this bad, the mortals on the ship, or one of them, has done something wrong, and you need to find out who it is. Now God's grin starts to get a bit bigger. One by one, the sailors pull the straws, Everyone's standing around, and I can picture Jonah. Jonah was probably trying to hide behind the crates, but now there were no crates to hide behind. And sure enough, someone comes to the straws to him. He pulls that short straw. Jonah knew it was coming all along. They asked him, tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you from? These guys wanted to do everything about Jonah. And now, it's almost like God is setting up an introduction for himself here. He's not going to introduce himself to these sailors through a canned theological presentation. Jonah didn't pull a tract out of his back pocket and start reciting a memorized speech. God who is going to use Jonah's own story to show these sailors who he is. So what does Jonah say? I am a Hebrew. I am a worshiper of the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Now what Jonah says is true, but this is not his planned conversion speech. We already know that Jonah uh, doesn't see himself as an evangelist. His purpose on the boat was not to convert anyone. He was trying to flee from this. He hasn't been rehearsing all the things he was going to say to sailors who didn't know him. This is just Jonah being Jonah. He's being honest with who he is. They asked them to tell him about himself, so he's telling them. Jonah might be running away from God, but if there is anything he is good at, it's being honest about who he is. And he is a worshiper of the Lord. It defines his life. God is at the center of his values. It's his calling. And he doesn't hide it. He doesn't include just the non-spiritual parts, which is what I would tend to do. When someone asks me who I am, I typically say, my name's Scott. You know, I work for Don Man Excavating. You know, that's, that's about the, the, the extent of it. Jonah doesn't say that. He doesn't say, well, I'm from Israel. I do work with people. I eat falafels. And cut it at that. No, he says, I am from Israel, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the maker of the land and sea. Now, we don't know who these sailors believe controlled the sea. We are told that they have gods just like anyone else. They have things that they worship. And they've got their own thoughts on how the world's run. But Jonah tells them, the Lord, who I worship, is the maker of the sea, and he controls it. And he has been honest with them the whole time. He's already told them that he was running away. And all of a sudden, the storm starts to make sense to these guys. And they ask, like anyone else, what did you do? And how can we make this stop? And the story picks up in verse 10 and says, Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Now Jonah does not mince words here. He is completely honest with himself and with these sailors. He knows that their life is in danger because of him and that he is a sinner and has sinned against God. He is not pretending that he has it all together. He is even willing to go so far as to die so that these sailors don't go down with him. So despite Jonah, despite Jonah running away from God, willfully disobeying him, God is making his character shine through Jonah. However coincidental it's cause, Jonah has created a real relationship with these people, a real honest relationship. And that is all Jesus needs to reach people. Just a real relationship with people that don't know him. And Jesus will shine through. Honesty is so powerful in relationships. One of the greatest examples in my life uh, of an honest relationship, I wish I could say it was me being honest with someone else, but it was actually someone being honest with me. I took a a third year uh, biostatistical course uh, when I was at university and uh, wound up meeting a, a young sister of a guy that I went to high school with. And she introduced me to her friend, and unfortunately I can't remember his name. Uh, To my discredit, on appearance alone, I did not like this guy. Uh, He was put together, extremely well put together. His shoes matched his shirts, which matched his hat if he chose to wear one on the day. And this was every day. Uh, He had a a tablet laptop, which at that time, no one, I didn't even know they existed at the time. He was extremely wealthy. He would fly back multiple times a month uh, to Toronto to party with the rich and famous. He traveled the world over many, many times. Uh, he fake tanned excessively. But to his credit, he was completely honest about who he was. Uh, he told me one day that he was so vain, in fact, that if he didn't fake tan at least twice a week, he wouldn't leave his house. And I couldn't help but like this guy. He was so honest, and it encouraged me to be honest with him about everything. And so in the short span of, you know, three months, we became good friends. Uh, We parted ways and haven't spoken since. But I've always been impressed upon the fact of how honest he was about himself and how drawing in that was to me. And this is what Jonah has done with these sailors. In a time of crisis, he has been honest with them and open and created a relationship. And that is all Jesus needs. Now these sailors are decent guys. They don't want to throw Jonah into the raging sea. They start rowing. They start rowing like Captain Hook was rowing away from the alligators, trying to beat the sea. And Jonah or Jesus was not going to be overpowered or God was not going to be overpowered by these guys hopping on the oars and trying to row. He ramped up the storm's intensity and they knew they had to give up. In 13 it says, They cried out to the Lord, Please Lord, this is the sailors, Please Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you. Lord, you have done what you have pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. So we'd think that Jonah's method would not have worked. The way in which he was approaching, uh, revealing God to people would have not have worked. His life is not a model life for everyone to see. He's openly honest about running away from God. He hasn't sought out these sailors. He hasn't studied them. He hasn't known everything about them so that he could communicate better with them. He hasn't started off with a soft approach. You know, come in, ask them how the weather is, ask them what their boat is like, and then as they grew trust, you know, he didn't uh, then all of a sudden drop the spiritual bombs on them. He hasn't rehearsed his routine about what he was going to say in the clincher moment. But none of that seems to get into God's way. God is able to make himself known to these sailors. There was a relationship between Jonah and the sailors. Jonah's honesty allowed God to work its way into their lives. God used Jonah to enter a relationship with people who never knew him before. The result was not up to Jonah. It was up to God. Now this is great for the sailors. That was the last we hear about them. But what about Jonah? He's sinking down beneath the waves in the middle of the Mediterranean. And here is his description. Of what it's like and it sounded to me like something out of the Lord of the Rings the engulfing waters threatened me the deep waters surrounded me seaweed was wrapped around my head to the roots of the mountains I sank down the earth beneath barred me in forever so this sounded like a fantastic afternoon for Jonah enter in the whale now the whale is somewhere uh, something where a lot of people would get stuck did the whale happen or did it not happen This has been argued since Jonah was written. Now, regardless of the standpoint that you take, we do know that this is an important story, and Jesus said so himself in Matthew 12 when he referenced it in regards to him. So, either way, how you take it, whether Jonah was physically eaten by this whale or not, we know that this story is important and God has something to say through it. So, Jonah's sinking down to the waves, the waves are crashing him, forcing him to the bottom. And like a big organic submarine, this whale comes and encompasses him. The whale kept Jonah from a watery grave. And inside he offers his prayer to God. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you. And my prayers rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God. God loves them. Or, sorry, turn turns away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. Salvation comes from the Lord. Think of what Jonah is saying here. He was running away. He was fleeing God's directive to go and tell people about God. He didn't want to tell the Assyrians. He felt they were undeserving. He did not want to give them the word of God's mercy for them. He didn't want them to be saved because he felt they weren't deserving of God's grace. And they weren't. They were not deserving of God's grace. That is what grace is. Mercy to undeserving people. Grace isn't when God figures you have, uh, you're a decent enough person that he's willing to be your friend. That is more like merit. Grace isn't when you screw up a little bit but God's still waiting to hang out with you. That's kindness or sympathy. Grace is when those words do not apply to you any longer. Grace is when you've done enough harm to other people that you deserve only justice and punishment and rejection from God. But God says, I know it's against the rules. I know it's against your rules. But I want to know you anyway. I want to enter in a relationship with you. Grace is what you don't deserve and what you shouldn't get, but God gives it to you anyways. Grace is what God gave to the Israelites, to Jonah's own people when God called them to be his own. They weren't deserving of a friendship with God, but God pursued them anyways. And Jonah forgot that. He forgot that he only knew God because of God's grace in his life. And God had to remind him of that with the storm and the whale. Jonah didn't deserve to be saved from the crushing ocean depths, but God saved him anyways. And Jonah says salvation belongs to the Lord. In other words, it is up to God who he gives grace to. It is up to God. If he wants to have mercy on people who don't deserve it, including the loathsome Syrians, including me. God can show mercy to them if he wants. He doesn't have to operate according to my rules. After experiencing the good news himself, Jonah was now ready to go, to go share the news with the Assyrians. Jonah's objections to sharing the good news were removed by experiencing God's grace. I don't want to share about God's grace to undeserving people, well, I'm undeserving and I need God's grace. Like Jonah, we don't want to share the gospel because we've forgotten the gospel and we need to be reminded of the good news. So we talked briefly about the three objections that we may have. We don't want to pressure people. Why do we feel we have to pressure people? Because we feel like it is up to us. It is not up to us. It is up to God. We couldn't do that. We cannot change the hearts. That is God's business. We don't have to pressure people because it is in His hands. It is up to God to pursue their hearts. And it's up to the Holy Spirit to seal the deal. Just like He did with you and I. We don't have to pressure anyone. It is God that is pursuing. Number two, we don't want to be preacher or self-righteous. How can we be self-righteous when we know that we are sinners? We would only be self-righteous if we forget that, if we forget the true gospel that we all need His grace. It is through the death of Christ that we we've been given that grace. If we are honest about our sins, we cannot be self-righteous. If we always remember our need. And what if we don't know what to say? Jonah focused on, or God focused on Jonah's relationship. How has Jesus changed our life? How has Jesus changed your life? How has Jesus made your life better? How has Jesus helped you and given you hope where you had none? How has Jesus freed you to be the person that God made you to be? How has Jesus freed you from the need to be someone else? Any of these questions God can use to share that faith with others, you know what to say, and He will give you the words to say when it is needed. People are interested in hearing what Jesus has done in your life when you have that honest relationship with them. You do not have to be perfect. Thank goodness. Sharing your faith should be exciting. We are called to share the good news of Jesus, to enter real and honest relationships with one another. Uh, I think we sang it the other week, uh, but as I was finishing wrapping up, uh, this song kept coming to mind. It's probably my favorite hymn, and it's to me what represents the good news of the gospel. And this is the gospel that I hope to share with others. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and grieves to bear. What a privilege to carry. Everything to God in prayer. Amen.